A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking in just a moment with Anna Muller from the DC Project. You know, this is a fantastic organization uh, comprised of women from all around the country. I think they've got uh, representatives of 48 of the uh, 50 states. Uh, and these are some of the best advocates for the uh, right to keep and bear arms and protecting the right to keep and bear arms uh, that, frankly, Second Amendment supporters have. Uh, they recently conducted their fifth fly-in to Washington, D.C. So all of these women with the D.C. Project uh, go to Capitol Hill. They meet with lawmakers. Uh, and this is a critical time. I mean, listen, you know, we saw the House approve a ban on so-called assault weapons uh, earlier this year. Right. Just back in August, as a matter of fact, uh, we've also seen the passage of the uh, bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Right. Uh, which was billed as the first substantive gun control legislation in 30 years. And of course, that was approved not just by the House, but by the Senate as well. So it's critically important that we are talking to lawmakers. And I'm very curious to uh, find out the reception that the D.C. Project folks received on Capitol Hill. Let's uh, start there with our conversation with Diana Muller from the D.C. Project. Take a look and a listen. I know you guys had a uh, excuse me, you ladies had a ton of uh, meetings while you were there. I'm curious, you know, we we have seen the passage of gun control bills this year, right? I mean, the Senate and the House approved that uh, bipartisan gun safety bill. The House approved a ban on so-called assault weapons last month. So how was your reception this time around compared to some of your previous fly-ins into D.C.? Well, you hit on something very important. We have seen passages. And we had offices tell us about that and how much pressure they felt. Uh, for your audience uh, who doesn't maybe know who the DC Project is, we're women for gun rights. And we've kind of found our niche as a counter visual and counter voice to Moms Demand Action, who are uh, the women group funded by Bloomberg that is continually demanding that our legislators restrict our rights. And we were hearing from the friendly offices that they were so thick after Uvalde that they everybody felt the pressure. So our side needs to understand that there are forces at work that are working overtime diligently to restrict our rights. And it's so important. You know, everybody gets so tired of hearing this is important. This is important. You know, you have to take action. You have to do something. But I'm telling you, these women, these anti-gun groups are on fire. They are motivated. And, and honestly, I feel a little bit bad for them because I feel like they're being used as pawns in this scheme of disarming America. They want what we want. They want to be safe. And they don't understand. They, they've been latched onto by these anti-gun groups saying that we're going to save your kids. We're going to provide safety for you. And we all know that that's a lie. That, that we are our own first responders and that uh, that's why the women of the D.C. Project feel so passionately about defending the Second Amendment. So our reception on Capitol Hill this year was was great. Honestly, we got into I think our final count was about 138 off, uh, meetings. We had 12 teams of three to five women. And we scatter and cover Capitol Hill and uh, 
we got into anti-offices with some really good meetings. Uh, we got into some anti-offices that were kind of rude. We got into anti-offices that were kind of hostile. Um, we had one woman report uh, from Oregon, our Oregon state director. She said that that her team sat down with four staffers from one of their senator's offices. And when they got done with the introductions, they were like, oh, my gosh, we shouldn't do this. This could be confrontational. And she's like, well, we're not here to be confrontational. We're here to, you know, talk about the things that we can agree on and talk about actual safety measures. So um, they had a great conversation. But I think that Capitol Hill is used to seeing how moms demand treats legislators and they're kind of bullish. So they probably expected us to act the same way. And we don't. Uh, we're responsible. We're professional. And uh, just put a fresh face and, and actual stories of, you know, why we want to be safe and why we want to carry a firearm in order to do that. You know, and, and I'm glad that you brought up the the messaging here because, you know, you're right. We clearly saw this after Uvalde um, where the gun control folks are, are promising, you know, we're going to protect your babies, right? We're going to protect your kids. All you have to do are, are take these reasonable common sense steps that, frankly, if you don't own a gun, well, you don't have to do anything. All you got to do is vote for the politicians that will vote for this, and you won't be impacted at all. It's just going to be that your kids are going to be safe in schools as long as we you know, ban these guns and do this and do that. As you say, we all want our kids to be safe. I'm a father of five. Uh, I know so many of the ladies of the D.C. Project are moms themselves. This false premise that, well, if, if you don't support our gun control laws, you must care more about your guns than kids. I think is ridiculous. And so for you to say, no, listen, it's about safety. We, we all are concerned about safety. That's not where we disagree. It, it's, it's on how we achieve those policy goals, how we truly protect our kids in school, how we truly fight violent crime. That's where we disagree because the gun control advocates say, well, the, the way we do that is to restrict the rights of law-abiding individuals to protect themselves, right? And, and the DC project says, no, that's not the answer. Do do you, Diane, I mean, I know you've got a career in law enforcement, so let me ask you, I mean, does the DC project advocate for things, uh, other solutions, solutions that actually work uh, as opposed to simply trying to, you know, uh, ban our way to safety by stripping us of our Second Amendment rights? Absolutely. Our time on Capitol Hill this year, we were pushing um, other programs, non-governmental programs for mental health. We were pushing uh, Hold My Guns. Uh, for school security, we were pushing uh, faster saves lives, and for safety for education in the kids, we were pushing Kids Safe Foundation. We were like, these are examples of of programs within the firearms industry that have meaningful results. That if you really, if you really care about safety, you're going to fund these programs. You're not going to, you're not going to continue to fund the restricting of rights and, and things that don't do it. It blows my mind that people it, today, two years into uh, the, 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 the violence that we've seen, the rioting, the defunding the police, it's like, it's pretty evident to me, common sense to me, is that these policies don't work. We've got evidence, you know, look at the evidence that these policies in that are enacted in these liberal cities that are on fire and have the most violent crime. You're telling me you want to push that on the rest of the world? Common sense tells me that they should adopt the laws of the cities that aren't having problems. Yeah. I, well, listen, I'm with you. 
but unfortunately, you know, I think that's going to take uh, at least a change in mindset and maybe a, a change in political party because, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of these cities, we have a an entrenched democratic uh, machine, basically. And it's really difficult, I think, for uh, residents of, you know, Philadelphia, for example, they just had their 400th homicide. Um, but they are so entrenched in one party politics that it's I think it's hard for other viewpoints to even get out there, much less for voters in cities like that to be able to truly make a substantive change, because I don't really think there's a lot of change being offered by the local politicians, unfortunately. Well, that's why our work is so important. You mentioned Philadelphia. That's why Maj Therese, Black Guns Matter. <laughs> Uh, his work is so important and that, you know, we're taking it really from a grassroots level back to our community. So that's why it's so important for everyone in your audience to get engaged. It's no, we can no longer sit on the sidelines. Uh, you know, what I would like to see is uh, we have a hashtag teal for 2A and I want to see it a sea of teal at festivals and rallies and, um, the, the shirt, our shirt that says educate, not legislate, and it has two an AR on top and AR on the bottom. I mean, those are messaging things that that the the antis are brilliant at. They're brilliant at the optics game and they're brilliant. They understand uh, how important it is to have those visual messages every time uh, at every corner. You know, from the governor signing an anti-gun bill all the way down to your local festivals. So uh, I encourage your I encourage your audience. Uh, we'd love to have you at the D.C. project. It's free to join. Um, we'd love to have your support. Like I said, Moms is a 60, 60 million dollar budget in 2020, which was an election year <laughs> around. 38,000 or 38 million. And that's what we're up against. It's definitely a David and Goliath. Uh, if anybody on listening has uh, access to like Elon Musk or some conservative that wants to, remember, <laughs> I'm all ears. You can introduce me. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're growing. We're getting, we're getting, um, we're getting traction. We continue to grow and we continue to influence and strengthening those Second Amendment supporters, constitutional sound legislators. They need to be strengthened because they've been beat up for the past 10 years by these Moms Demand. I read an article that Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand, wrote recently, and she said when she started just 10 years ago, just 10 years ago, there were Democrats with A ratings from the NRA and there were Republicans zero Fs on the Republicans. And 10 years later, that number is now there are zero Democrats with A ratings and there are Republicans with Fs. So that's, you know, you don't, it's like, I feel like it's this behind the scenes type thing that's going on and um, underground. You don't really see it. It's bubbling, but you don't really see it until it festers. And then we lose, and then we lose um, Virginia. You know, when we lost Virginia in 2019, that's when I realized, holy cow, we need to be having this in the states. So that's when we kind of really opened our doors to everybody and um, said, let's go, let's make state directors and have them do the same effort at their state and local level. And, and, and tell me about how that's grown over the past couple of years. Uh, because, again, we think about that. I think about the D.C. project as being sort of federally focused. Uh, but if you're now concentrating on the states as well, what kind of impact are you seeing? Where are some of the states where you've seen maybe the, the biggest growth so far? 
Well, you know, I, I don't even look at the numbers really, but I look at what my state directors are doing and it's so fantastic to like open up Facebook or open up Instagram and see that like somebody, uh, the Arkansas state director was at the um, Armed Women of America regional roundup last weekend and I didn't even know she was going. And I see all these beautiful pictures of, you know, and then people are signing up. So um, I see what they're doing um collectively on social media and things like that. And they're just on fire. So I, I'm just like, I'm glad to have lit a fire and that other people are taking it and and running with it because it's going to take uh, a huge team in order to counter what's going on. And we're like, we're all volunteer. So uh, my goal next, my goal in the next couple of years is to, um, our budget has definitely doubled over year after year after year. Um, but I'm going to definitely look at hiring um, some, some staff and, and really taking this to the next level. I'm excited about that because, uh, again, you, you know, Diane, I mean, we've talked for years about the D.C. projects since the beginning. Uh, and, and what you all have been able to accomplish, I think, is tremendous. You've got a, a excuse me, I've got a fly flying around me. Uh, you've got a great group of women as well, by the way. I mean, you're the, the, the folks who are a part of this organization are they're not just, you know, passionate activists. They're good people. Uh, they, they really are. And and I'm, I'm encouraged to see that some of them are even stepping into politics themselves. You know, this is another thing that Moms Main Action has been doing. They've been training up some of their volunteers to run for office, whether it's Congress, whether it's a local school board. Uh, we talked uh, just a few weeks ago with Rebecca Shmoy from Kansas, who is running for state representative this year, a member of the D.C. Project. She's going to be a great addition to the Kansas State Legislature. Um, how encouraged are you to see some of the ladies with the D.C. Project Y'all are already in the political arena, but but actually stepping up and saying, all right, you know what? I, I don't see anybody better here, so I'm going to run for office and I'm going to be the change that we need to see. You know, it's amazing to see these women who, like me, I mean, I was a police officer. I was a professional shooter. I had no intentions of doing what, what I'm doing right now with the D.C. Project. And to see these women who uh, feel like I want to do something, but I have no idea you know, we had a lot of new people coming to Washington, D.C. with us this past uh, couple of weeks ago, and they had no clue. But to see them grow and to see them like just absorb the energy and then turn it into something like Rebecca is doing, um, like you mentioned, Moms Demand is touted that have 170 members running for office. And, you know, we had two, uh, one lost her primary, but Rebecca won hers. And we're looking forward to seeing her in the Kansas State Ledger. I'm a Kansan now. So she's, you know, <laughs> I'm really invested in, in her success. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to watch uh, everybody's growth. And, and, and some of these women, when they come into the DC project, they don't even know the difference between federal and state legislatures. I mean, we are definitely um, a product of what our education system has been failing to instill in all of our citizens for several decades of, you know, we, we don't push civics like we should. So um, the beginning of the DC project is usually a civics lesson. That's important. I mean, we got to know it, uh, you know, in order to be effective. Uh, so, uh, again, the more the merrier, uh, you know, all women who care about the Second Amendment are welcome here. Where can folks find out more information about the D.C. Project and what you all are doing? Our website is dcproject.info, I-N-F-O, and they can join, support, uh, like, share. Uh, we, we can see us on Instagram at DC underscore project foundation and then on facebook we are the dc project because dc project was taken 
All right. Diana, thank you again for coming on the program. Uh, I'm glad that you had such a successful fly into D.C. What's the next big project for D.C. Uh, project? What should we be looking for? Oh, well, before we go further, uh, I want to tell you that we had a rally. We have a rally every year, but it's been on like on the big side of the Capitol. This year we were in the Supreme Court in front of the Supreme Court. Oh, my gosh. It was so amazing because we were so much closer to everybody. Cars driving by. Uh, people, tourists driving by. We had a real live heckler. And and I'm standing <laughs> back looking at the entire scene, taking it in and going, you know what? I don't know that I've ever seen women with signs that say I am my own first responder standing in front of the Supreme Court. It was so powerful. It was amazing. Um, and it's those kind of interactions that I think is going to, you know, I'd like to do that on a pretty regular basis. Just go out there and stand with signs because uh, one time I was going into an office and this one little old man is holding a sign and I read his entire sign while I'm standing there. I mean, he's influencing people. It doesn't take, you know, two million people to watch March on Washington to to start spreading that message. So what's next? Um, we are going to um, let's see. We're going to work on fundraising. So that's where my attention is focused. And then we've got some events coming up. Um, Shirley Wattrell from Florida is going to be at USCCA in November. Um, so you're going to see us scattered around in, in the different states. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to SHOT Show. We want to uh, try to maybe put on a little party there. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to catching up in person at some point in the near future. And, uh, Diana, thank you again to you and all the women with the DC project for your activism and your engagement. I think it is making a difference. And I hope that uh, uh, there are a lot of folks who are watching today who are inspired to join the organization to be a part of it. Thank you for all your help, Cam. Absolutely, Diana. Diana Muller with the DC project joining us here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Appreciate Diana joining us on the program today, and uh, we will keep you up to date with what's going on at the uh, D.C. Project here on uh, future programs. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a really, really disturbing story out of Indianapolis, Indiana, where a, a man named Orlando Mitchell has now been charged with murder, invasion of privacy, as well as unlawful possession of a firearm by a domestic batterer after murdering a, a woman, the mother of his child. Uh, allegedly at a daycare in Indianapolis. And this is a guy who unfortunately was known to police. He was also known to the victim, uh, 32-year-old Crystal Walton. As a matter of fact, WTHR in Indianapolis reports that uh, Walton had actually taken out an order of protection uh, against uh, Orlando Mitchell um, August 6th of this year, just less than two months ago. Court records indicate that Mitchell contacted uh, Walton wanting to pick up his son a day early. And when the woman told him that that wasn't possible, he showed up anyway at the home where she was staying. Uh, the mother said that to Mitchell allegedly forced open the door and enter the home. When the uh, woman told Mitchell that she was going to call police, she said that Mitchell responded with, if you call the police, it'll be the last thing you do. Uh, she called his mother instead on speakerphone. Mitchell left the house after about five minutes, and then she reported the incident to police. Mitchell charged with the breaking and entering, invasion of privacy, as well as violating a no-contact order uh, and intimidation. In March of last year, uh, he was involved in a domestic battery incident. In fact, that no-contact order was uh, levied as a result of that domestic battery incident uh, in uh, March of uh, 2021. You know, again, th there's so much wrong 
with this story here, including the fact that uh, uh, Mitchell's mother uh, apparently was at least somewhat aware of her son's threats, according to court documents. Mitchell's mom came to the scene of the shooting at the daycare and told officers that she hadn't spoken with her son in a month because he had threatened to kill Crystal Walden and make it a, quote, murder-suicide. Court documents claim that she told officers that her son had told her if he couldn't see his son, she wasn't going to be in his life. His mom was able to uh, give officers a description of his car. No word on whether or not the mom actually told officers about this a month ago, uh, which could have, I won't say would have, but could have potentially resulted in uh, uh, Mitchell's uh, uh, case being taken a little more seriously. You know, unfortunately, what we know is that an order of protection is not a suit of armor. It's a piece of paper for those who are willing to violate that order. In this case, you have an individual who is not lawfully allowed to possess a firearm, violating these order of protections, and again, allegedly murdering the mother of his child. In a case in which I think the argument can be made that uh, Mitchell should have been behind bars from the get-go. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that was not the case here. And a, a woman has lost her life needlessly. Today's armed citizen story from Florida, Escambia County, Florida, where a convenience store clerk is alive today because he had a firearm when he was confronted by an armed robber with a shotgun. Yeah, a guy walks into this uh, convenience store clerk, uh, he walks into this convenience store, rather, armed with a shotgun. He's uh, walking around. Little did he know that the clerk had seen him on surveillance video outside with the shotgun, and he ran to the back and grabbed a pistol of his own. Uh, as the uh, robber uh, started walking around the uh, clerk and the uh, store, he uh, was holding his weapon, sees the clerk holding a weapon, and all of a sudden, uh, Rakeem Stephen Tate says, I don't mean no harm. I'm, I'm just not from around here. I got a big bleeping bleeping gun, but I'm not from around here is what I'm saying. I'm from Chicago, bro. <laughs> yeah. Then he asked the... Uh, Store clerk, uh, what 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 kind of gun is that that you got there? And uh, then Tate slowly walks out of the store. The Escambia County uh, Sheriff's Office said in a release that uh, words seem to fail you when your felony attempt is thwarted by lawful and righteous force. Yeah. This happened back on uh, September the 9th. Tate was taken into custody about a week later, September 15th, in uh, Santa Rosa County, Florida. He is now again facing uh, multiple charges. Thankfully, that community store clerk uh, was unharmed and able to return home at the uh, end of his shift that night. Finally, today, our good deed of the day. And this one, I got to tell you, it's, I, I, I picked this one pretty much just for the headline. I'll be honest with you. From uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, police blotter, officer helps dog left in hot car. Woman has pants on after all. Yeah, I, I mean, how can you not click that headline, right? When you see that story. So, uh, first things first. Let's get to the uh, the officer in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing to help a dog left in a hot car. This was, uh, uh, you know what? Doggone it! I just realized this was from back in June. Uh, yeah, I don't know why it popped up as today's headline, but this is from back in June. Uh, you know what? I'm still going to do it anyway, just cause. Anyway, so back in June in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a uh, police officer responded to a parking lot uh, where a dog was left in a vehicle. 
The officer found the uh, black Honda Civic with a dog inside, panting heavily. The windows were cracked, but not cracked enough. But the officer was able to unlock the car, provide the dog with some water. Uh, a, a nearby Thai restaurant, Thai Smile in Chattanooga, gracious enough to give the officer a plastic bowl with ice. And the officer filled that bowl with water, left it outside the vehicle for the dog. Uh, officer wet the dog's ears, observed it drinking for several minutes. There was a phone number of the dog's collar, but the owners apparently could not be reached. So in the right place at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing. Back in June, we thank that officer for his very good deed. Now, about that woman who, as it turns out, was wearing pants, right? I had to, I mean, I'm not going to leave you hanging on that. Woman has pants on after all. This was, uh, this was the very last story in the police blotter. Chattanooga back in early June. I uh, don't have a lot of information. Police called to East 23rd Street where it was reported that a woman was walking in an alleyway with no pants on. Police found the woman who was wearing very dark colored pants and identified her. She said she didn't need police, fire, or EMS assistance of any kind. Not even the fashion police. So there you go. Woman with pants on. I got to tell you, if that's the uh, type of stuff that pops up in the police blotter in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I live in a really safe part of the country anyway, but uh, if I ever look to move... Public safety is top of mind. I think I'm going to be, uh, you know, certainly on my short list will be the city where uh, a, a presumably pantsless woman who actually was wearing pants is a major part of the police blotter. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Again, I want to thank you for being a part of the program. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about a new study. Taking a look at gun sales and violent crime rates, whether or not there's any connection between the two. Here's a hint. No. These researchers found that there is actually no connection because as gun sales were rising, violent crime is decreasing. And we're going to delve into the details of that study on the next edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I would also encourage you to uh, check out BearingArms.com. In the meantime, we will be covering all of the latest Second Amendment news and information throughout the day on the website. If you like what you see, you can also become a VIP member. All you have to do is go to BearingArms.com slash Subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And not only will you be supporting the independent pros, Second Amendment journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but we're going to give you content that you won't find anywhere else. Exclusive news stories and analysis because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.